Hello, everybody. I'm Justin Begley, and you're listening to Magnify, a podcast dedicated to magnifying Jesus and putting his glory on display. My name is Justin Begley, and I am the host of Magnify. As many of you know, I'm a college student, and I'm going to be attending graduate school next year. So throughout my time in college, I've always struggled with things like setting priorities. And, and typically, uh, for me, it was it was simple for the most part. I mean, it was it was you know get your schoolwork done, and and then I can do whatever else that I may want to do. I'm not a person that plans my days out. I, I've never kept a planner or a calendar or even. For my assignments, I've always just kind of compartmentalized the assignments somewhere in my head, and, and for the most part, that just kind of seemed to work out for me. I'd kind of remember, oh, I have, a, I have an assignment due, so I just kind of do it, but I never really wrote anything down. And, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty busy guy for the most part. I've, I've taken a full class load. I do independent research at, at school. I participate in clubs on campus. I attend a, a Bible-based community group that meets every single week, and, and I serve at my church. Uh, I also like to maintain as much as possible some some kind of social life. That's something that's important to me. Uh, I'm definitely not unique in, in my busyness in any way. Many college students are are relatively busy or, or in some cases extremely busy. And I, you know, I, for me, I'm not the extreme. I've seen college students who are taking like 18 plus credit hours and, and are active participants in literally every single club on campus and, and also maintain a part-time job and a social life and a 4.0 GPA. Even outside of school, I've spoken with entrepreneurs who are working literally 100 hours per week to start their business while also trying to start a family. I've talked to also first-year analysts at some of the major investment banks, which if if you don't know anything about Wall Street, are, are pretty intensive, stressful, and long-hour jobs. And so I've always wondered how these people that take on so much responsibility can handle all of that. So in talking to them, I've always tried to make it a point to ask, what what is their secret? And every time I've had dozens of these conversations, every time I have gotten some variation of, I set my priorities by doing stuff like making a list and accomplishing those things from the top down as best I can, they, they always give me something along those lines. And so for many of these people, work and friends are almost unanimously at the top of those priority lists. And so this particularly stuck out to me because I started to think about how I prioritize things myself how and, and what my priorities are. And like I said before, I do a lot of things, I, I but I never really prioritize anything specifically and, 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 and intentionally. But I've always tried to just kind of do things as they come up and and do the best I can to to juggle it all. And so in a sense, I was setting priorities. They just weren't particularly specified in the same sense that some of the people I've talked to do. But I wonder, what is our true top priority? What is my top priority? Is it schoolwork or or, or work that's related to a job? Is it my family? Is it my relationships? Is it some form of leisurely activity? So... I'm I'm actually studying economics in college right now, and that and and that's actually what I'm going to be pursuing in my graduate degree. And so, the idea of prioritization actually comes up in 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 a sense quite frequently in the discussion of things like economic policy. And what I'm talking about is something called utility. And now, but 
before you all tune me out as you kind of think back to your time in your intro to microeconomic courses, just bear with me for a second because I think that this concept is is a pretty good one to illustrate how we choose our, our, our priorities. So utility in its most basic sense is an economic measure of satisfaction for how much you consume of, of two goods in a, in a presence of certain constraints like income. And this is shown graphically by what is called an indifference curve, which shows the optimal consumption point where your utility, or in other words, your satisfaction, is maximized in your consumption of each good. So as rationally thinking human beings, we, we seek to be satisfied maximally. We seek maximal satisfaction in everything we do. And that's why we work so hard in school so that we can get a good job, so we can afford a car and we can afford a home and take care of a family and go on vacation and afford all these possible luxuries in our life. But as economics shows us, we can't just freely consume to satisfy to the full extent of what we may desire. We actually have certain constraints that are present like time and money. So we have to choose wisely about how we distribute these finite resources to maximize our satisfaction. And our choices of distribution, how we distribute these resources, reflect what our priorities are. So where am I going with this? Well, in our current circumstances, many of us have been flooded with additional resources that we typically have not previously had. The resource I'm talking about, of course, is is more time. And this is the case for many of us as we kind of sit at home in, in a quarantined state because of the coronavirus outbreak. And even if we have schoolwork or or jobs that we have to still do at home, we generally, in in a general sense, have a lot more time on our hands. So the question I'll ask you is, is how are you filling this time? Well, as it seems, or at least from what I see, the new pastime to get through quarantine has become TikTok. And I I don't know why this is the case. It just kind of like seemed to pop up over the last few few weeks or few months. But it's it's been very interesting to me. People, especially in in high school and college students, uh, are spending endless hours on this thing. And and I'll admit, there is some really funny stuff on on there. And some of the challenges have actually had a a pretty charming effect on people. And in some ways, it's, it's helped a lot of us stay connected to one another. But when it comes down to it, it is scrolling through videos to the point where you are practically comatose really the best use of your time? Is it the most fulfilling use of your time? Is it is this a solid top priority for you to place in your life? I, w- I would probably say it's not. But no, you may say this TikTok is not even on my priority list. It's, it's just something I watch when I'm bored. Um, but But even if we aren't conscious of it, if we let it consume valuable time in your in our lives, then inherently in that, we are elevating it as a priority. One thing you have to know about me, though, is is that I'm not someone who will just find a problem and, and simply point it out. I generally try to always follow up with some form of a solution. And hopefully, the solution to your prioritization problems that I'm about to offer you will help you to realign your priorities in the way that I think that God wants us to set them. In Psalm 119, verse 105, the psalmist says in praise to the Lord, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Now, Psalm 119 is is an interesting psalm. For starters, it's the longest one. It actually has 176 verses in it. And 
It's also considered to be what's called a Hebrew acrostic poem. And so what this means is that in the first stanza, each of the eight verses begin with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, Aleph. Then in the second stanza, the first word of each verse begins with Bet, then Gimel, then Dalet, and so on. And for, for each letter of the Hebrew alphabet all the way to top. And so the order of this is important because it is used to show the order that God establishes in all of our lives in his effort to help us avoid the chaos that comes from separation from him. And while we don't know who wrote this psalm, there are actually a lot of pretty cool old stories about how King David used the psalm to teach the Hebrew alphabet to his son, Solomon. And it's said that through this teaching uh, from King David to Solomon, that Solomon didn't only pick up the Hebrew alphabet, but he also picked up the alphabet of, of faith and of living a life of spirituality consistent with what God desires for us. So Psalm 119 shows us where we should put our priorities, and that is in God. And specifically in verse 105, as I read earlier, God is telling us that his word should be at the top of our priority list because it is the light that shines on us and that leads us down this path that we call life, the one that God sets out for us. Another thing that I find particularly interesting about this psalm is that it actually uses eight different Hebrew words when referencing God's word. And so the first is Torah, which means both law and revelation that comes from God, and it's used 25 times. The second is Davar, which is the spoken word of God, the one that he actually gives and reveals to us, and this word's used 24 times. Another is Mishpatim, which is referring to the law and judgment between right and wrong and, and good and evil, and, and the word is used 23 times. The next is Aduth, which is is used 23 times and refers to the testimony spoken of by God in relation to the covenant between God and his people. The word miswa is also used, which refers to the giving of orders by someone in authority like God, and that word is used 22 times. Then there is hakim, which refers to the written word of God and, and its authority, and it's used 21 times. Another is pikud, which is a sort of guidelines or instructions on what we should do and, and how we should live, and that's used 21 times. And then finally, there is Imra, which refers to really anything that God has said in the word, and, and, and this word is used about 19 times. So if we were to total the all the usage of those words up, we would see that the psalmist refers to the word of God 178 times. Now keep in mind, as, as I said earlier, Psalm 119 has 176 verses. So the psalmist is using these various words for the word of God, sometimes more than twice in a single verse. Now, in saying that, can you see what the psalmist is doing here? Do you understand the emphasis that God is placing on his word? I think it's pretty strong. C.S. Lewis in his Reflections on the Psalms says of Psalm 119 that as one's eyes are more and more opened, one sees more and more in them, and it excites wonder. This is not priggery, nor even scrupulosity. It is the language of man, ravished by a moral beauty. If we cannot at all share his experience, we shall all be losers. So as C.S. Lewis says, the Bible is God's beautiful, perfect, absolute, and moral truth. Through his word, God gives us all, gives us all an opportunity to get to know him and get, get to know his character, understand his unceasing and incredible love for us, and have our minds transformed into one of, of holiness. And if we don't make it a priority, we lose out on what God really has in store for us, what he has 
planned out for our lives. And spending time in God's word can help us do what it says in Colossians 3, 2, which is to set your minds on the thing above, not on things that are on earth. So Charles Spurgeon says about the word of God that no riches can so enrich the mind and heart as the word of God does. A man may have tons of gold and yet be utterly miserable. But he who is pure in heart, he who has God's word and the love of it in his heart is truly rich, however poor he may be in temporal things. So only through the word of God can we truly be nourished, can our minds be renewed and set on the things above, on on the eternal glory of God and, and the promise that he has for us in his son Jesus. Earlier in Psalm 119, in verses 97 to 99, it says, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. I have more insight than all of my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. Just like the psalmist is saying, we, we must come to love the word of God. If we do not love the word, as Spurgeon says, we certainly do not love the God who gave it to us. But if we do love God, no other book is comparable in our minds, for God's word is the living water leaping from the rock, and there is no defilement on it. If we love God, we will love the word. And if we love the word, we will prioritize it. The love of God's word is incredibly important. Now, why? Because as John says in, in the opening of his gospel, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him, and apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. And so here John's talking about Jesus. He's talking about the Son of God who has existed in union with the Father and the Holy Spirit from all eternity. And Jesus came to offer us salvation, which we did not deserve because, as Romans 3 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is nothing that we can do to save ourselves. Only through Jesus can we truly have eternal life in loving relationship with the Father. For he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. So what are your priorities? Only through the word can we understand the heart and character of God. Only through the word can we have understood the personhood and the divinity of Jesus. And through the word, it is revealed to us that Jesus is the prophesied Messiah, the one who came to save all of humanity. The word is a powerful resource that God gives us so that we can get to know him. We get to know who he is. And he gave us his word so that we can hear his voice because he loves us. 2 Timothy 3.16-17 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And in Hebrews 4.12, it says, For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. We must begin to see the word of God as a friend because it's the only thing that can truly get at the deep roots of our souls. And God knows that. God knows that his word is the only thing that can truly satisfy us. That's why he tells us to take the time to prioritize it and learn from it. And when we do this, when we really take time to read and pray on God's word, we can be transformed into Christ's likeness by, as Ephesians 4 says, the renewal of the spirit of our minds. God's word has the power to do something like that. But nothing else does. We have the opportunity to experience the richness that the word of God can provide to us if we prioritize it. 
Now is as good of a time as ever. For many of us, we have a lot of extra time. What are you going to do with it? Thank you for listening to this episode of Magnify with Justin Begley. Please remember to subscribe and look out for future episodes.